This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Luke 15, 11 to 32. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fat calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even one young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, said the father, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Again, I'm Pastor Neil, the staff leadership pastor, and uh, we are are in this series called Life Together. And uh, a significant part of our life together during this time of transition as a church is, um, as I think most of you know, our leadership team recently hired uh, pastor uh, Brad Bergfault to be our transitional lead pastor. And today, uh, come on up here, Brad. Uh, we're going to have a chance to get to know Brad. And we re- just want to say, I'm really glad you're here. We're really glad you're here. And um, and um, you know, the the uh, we're just going to do a little interview here. And in this, you're going to get to know Brad. You're going to get to know his story a little bit. And uh, Brad, I, f- I first have to say this chaos that I was describing this week seemed to, you know, it, it coincided with your arrival on Wednesday morning. And so uh, what's up with that? I mean, if that's what's to come, dude, we were doing fine without you. So, yeah. <laughs> Neil, that's quite a welcome. Thank you. 
Um, you know, I, what can I say? I, I wrote a note to my wife and said, "Hon, I made it to uh, Anchorage fine. The plane trip in was kind of wild for me because they bend down over the mountains and kind of swoop in over the water. I'd never been here before. And uh, I get here to discover that the power's out for two days. And the place I'm staying, uh, they said, uh, yeah, we don't really have power here either. There's a generator. Um, get used to it. There's a tepid shower. Okay, wonderful. Um, but um, I, I hope this is not the beginning of uh, many more power outages, unless it's yeah. for good reason. God's yeah. doing something yeah. in our midst. Yeah, well, I guess that's also a way of just saying welcome to Alaska. And we've, we've tried to pretty early on let him know that we like having fun around here. So, so um, Brad, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay. Um, let me just say one other thing real quickly before I answer that question. And, and we, this is all scripted out, so Neil's probably going to leave the script, so I'm going to do that too. I, I want you to know that you probably all know that I was the interim uh, transitional pastor at Pine Lake Covenant Church in Sammamish, where your pastor, Mark Meredith, was called to. And I want to be very clear up front with you that I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> okay, having said that, um, you know, I am a, uh, a husband of uh, one wife and three children, adult children now. And uh, there we are sitting there. The, it, was the, it was the photographer's idea to have us take our shoes off and sit barefoot on a 55-degree day. But nevertheless, um, the, the, my oldest son, who is our, my middle child, is next to me. His name is Brandon. He is a junior at Seattle Pacific University studying accounting and finance. And I said to him when he declared his major, I said, you know, son, that is wonderful because we've got to have at least one kid in the family who goes out and makes a lot of money to support his aging parents. So he's the one. In fact, we, uh, we were all on a short vacation back to New Hampshire earlier in the summer where my, all of my children were born, and we left him there. Um, so when all of this transpired that we were coming up to Alaska, we packed all of his things in, a bo- in boxes and left them in my sister's garage. So he left his room intact, and when he gets home, he's going to find it all in boxes. That's the kind of parents we are. <laughs> um, the other picture uh, there is my daughter. She's our oldest child. Her name is Kylie. She's in her senior year at the University of Waterloo in uh, Waterloo, uh, Ontario, Canada, just outside of Toronto. She's studying politics and history. And last Saturday, we put her on a plane for Istanbul, Turkey, where she's spending the fall term uh, studying abroad in Istanbul. And then my youngest son there on the right uh, is Lars, Lars Eric to be exact. That's our nod to the Swedish heritage, for those of you who know about that. And uh, we left him uh, with some good friends of ours uh, in Issaquah. So while my wife and I come up here to be with you for the next year or so, um, our our youngest son, who's a senior in high school, Issaquah High School, is going to be staying in Issaquah by himself. And then I I just threw this picture in uh, for fun because um, this was my daughter's first kiss. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, she hasn't kissed anybody since. So, and I, I'm probably a delusional father at that point, but nevertheless. Um, so that's my family. And um, as we've gone through this, this crazy transition, uh, talking with the wonderful people from uh, Community Covenant Church, it's been fun not only to get to know some of the people here already, 
But it's also been hard for us because, as you can tell, there's a certain scatteredness about our life. And, um, and in some ways, I feel a little lost without my family. But uh, with the, uh, the, the modern technology, last night I sat with my computer open, actually my iPad, and I, uh, my wife and my young son, who you met there, were having dinner, and they set her, uh, their laptop on the table. And so they're, they're eating chicken while I'm having dinner time conversation with them. And I'm just waiting for some techie person to invent smells of what's going on in, well, maybe that wouldn't be a good idea, come to think of it. Anyway, but anyway, that's the way I'm in, in touch with my family, and I miss them a lot, and I can't wait for my wife to join me in a few weeks. Should, I, yeah, talk about I need to talk about her. Yeah, I should. That's right. Um, my wife she, is... She told me to make sure that you yeah. talked. <laughs> it was an honest mistake. Uh, she, she and I have been married for 28 years. Uh, she uh, is a wonderful person. When you meet her, you will invariably say uh, she was by far the better snag than he was when she comes up here. I'm just telling you, I'm warning you. But uh, she's been a strong and committed uh, uh, partner with me in my life um, as a father and as a husband and as a pastor of churches. And she actually is, in many ways, um, kind of the spiritual anchor of our family. And she's a prayer warrior, and she loves God, and she loves people. But she's not kind of a flashy sort of pastor's wife. She's a little bit like Patty, I think, you know, kind of really solid, but you, you'd never, sometimes you wouldn't notice she's in the room if, if there's a bunch of people around. And so she'll be joining me in about a month's time where I'm going to fly back home and we're going to put a few things in a car and drive up the Alcan to, uh, hopefully we, we beat the snow on the way here. So that's going to be in about a month. No, no guarantee on that, but well, that'll I, be part yeah, of the adventure. Uh, hey, t- talk a little bit about just your decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, um, I grew up in the church uh, for most of my life, and uh, there, was a, there are a couple of significant places in my life where I encountered Jesus in, in a profound and um, deeply meaningful way. One of them was at a vacation Bible school when I was about 11, 12 years old, and, uh, you know, we had fun, we heard Jesus stories, and there was lots of good food. I think, I think food is the modus operandi for, for a young boy, 12 years old. If there's good food, you're there. And, uh, and so at the end of the week, the, the teacher said, now, you know, we're going to bow our heads and pray, and if any of you would like to, to have a, a friend like Jesus come into your life, I invite you to do that. And I've always been kind of... Uh, um, stand on the sidelines and watch things go on around me before I make any serious commitments. And that's, I, I even see that back when I was a kid. And that's kind of how I went into this whole vacation Bible school thing. But for some reason at that moment, I said to myself, yes, I've got to do this. I need to have a friend like Jesus. And to give you an idea of sort of the, the severity of that decision for me, I remember you know, raising my hand and asking Jesus in my life. And then afterwards, she said, okay, everybody come up. Anyway, long story short, after the week was over, I was walking home to my house and I was terrified that I needed to tell my parents what I had just done. So that's at 12 years old. I had this incredible sense that I was making a decision that would alter my life. Uh, later on, I was involved in a ministry, a parachurch ministry called Young Life. 
as a kid in high school. And it was there that I was confronted not only with the remarkable love and grace and forgiveness of God, but I was confronted with the reality that I couldn't just sort of receive Jesus into my life and then go have a party, which was I did, I, I must confess, from time to time. But I really had to have my life align with uh, one who really did take their faith seriously. So that was another really instrumental place for me in my walk with God. And then finally, uh, I, I, there's been many others, but uh, then a, a number of years later, uh, when I was in Bible school in Sweden, which is where I met my wife originally, um, I had this, this strange sense there that God was calling me to something beyond even an active disciple, but, a, but an active disciple who was actually involved in ministry in some way. So those are two or three of the really meaningful places that, uh, that I encountered Jesus, and my life has never been the same. So Brad, you and I both know that to be a pastor is not always considered the most uh, trustworthy of professions. Matter of fact, I, was, I, I looked this morning, and it's, and it's right up there with politicians uh, journalists, uh, car salesmen, attorneys, which I think we have all of those in here. Yeah. So wh- why did, yeah. you, you alluded to it. Why yeah. did you uh, decide to become a pastor? Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. I, I fed you that question, didn't I? Yeah, what a, what a great question, Neil. Great question. Um, you know, I, I, during my high school and college years, I, um, as I said, I had this growing sense that God wanted to do something with me a little bit more specifically in ministry. Uh, at one point in a Bible school. It was actually a communion service, no less, where I'm listening to the pastor say the words of institution. You've heard them many times before, I'm sure. This is the body of Christ broken for you on the night when Jesus was betrayed. All that stuff, right? I'm sitting there and I had this overwhelming sense that I was going to be doing that someday and I had no idea. In fact, in my kind of, you know, humorous way, I thought to myself, you know, come on, God, you're, you're calling the, the guy sitting next to me. You can't be calling me. To do this, and a strange thing happened to me after that service. Another student came up to me out of the blue and looked at me in the eye, and she said, "You know, you'd make a good pastor." And it's, that sort of freaked me out at that point. I go, "Wow!" So, at anyway, from that point on, it's been for me a process of trying to explore what God was calling me to do. I got into college, and I kind of wandered around there. I, I knew I was going into ministry, but to be honest, I didn't want to even then. And so I began to think about becoming an attorney. And in fact, I, I went so far as right after college, after I finished my undergraduate, I got a job in a corporate law firm thinking that that would be a good entree into law school and so on. Well, long story short, um, when, when we are inclined to run in the opposite direction, God often is gently pulling us, uh, pushing us, conjoling us back to where God wants us to be. Talk about a, a time in your life where you especially sense the presence of God. Yeah. Did I give you that question? Okay. Can we skip that? No. Uh, you know, I, there's many times in my life where God's presence has been remarkable to me. Of course, you share some of the same experiences that I have. You know, being present at the birth of each of my children was just an overwhelming experience of God. I remember the first time I stood at the bedside of a gentleman who was dying of uh, cancer. And I watched him take his last breath. And it was, it was an overwhelming sense 
of God's presence in this room and that I, I just stood kind of in awe of. Um, let, let me give you the most recent experience of God's presence. You know, we, we, we put all of our possessions in two 12-foot uh, storage containers, and we are, they're shipped off someplace sitting in some dark place waiting for us to ship them someplace else. And uh, so our life's been in a lot of transition and a lot of chaos in the last few weeks. And there was one point while I was having conversation with the committee here where I, uh, you know, we, we, my, my position at uh, Pine Lake had come to an end and uh, I was exploring a variety of opportunities and nothing seemed to be kind of breaking for me at the right moment. And I kind of said, God, you know, what gives? I don't know if you talk to God like that, but I do. Uh, and and you got to be careful because if you start asking questions like that of God, God will often tell you what gives. And and so as it turned out, um, you know, sort of my frustration with God's slow pace of of moving in my life um, resulted in my coming here to Alaska. And uh, the very first day I got here, Neil says, hey, I want to introduce you to a real estate agent about a possible place for you to live. Well, long story short, second day we went out. I went out and met the lady, and um, she's showing me around her house. She's not part of this congregation. I don't even know if she knows about us. She might. I don't know. And uh, she apparently goes south for the winter. Uh, do people around here do that? Anyway, so she has this really lovely home out Eagle, Eagle River Road. Is that right? At, the, at about the four-mile mark. Do I got the lingo down? You're doing really well, yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's a beautiful home, and apparently she's had other winter uh, uh, house sitters, and she was a little skeptical about me, I would imagine, you know, who's this pastor guy. So I, I walk into her house, and it's custom-designed, um, uh, influenced heavily by an architect named Frank Lloyd Wright. You, you, you may or may not know who he is, but he's a very famous uh, architect. And so my first words to her was, you know, is this Frank Lloyd Wright? You know, because uh, it really is beautiful. And some of the, the flourishes here, and her eyes lit up, and she goes, yes, it is. Let me show you some of the Frank Lloyd Wright things. So she spent the next 20 minutes showing me all of the details of her house. And then she stopped in the living room and she said, see this art here? And I go, yeah. She goes, this is from Istanbul, Turkey. And I go, you know, I just dropped my daughter off at the airport who is living in Istanbul right at this moment. Oh, you're kidding me. Well, long story short, second day here, I made, a, um, I made an offer for this uh, leasing this home that I, I expected she would come back to me and say, oh, come on. And she said, yes. And two days, we found a place to live. And those, those are the ways that God shows up. Yesterday, I took a hike, uh, because I know up here, if you, if you want to be part of the crowd, you've got to hike, right? So I, I, I took a hike up to Independence Mine. Is that what it's called, Independence Mine? Hatch, Hatcher Pass. So I was up there. And beautiful day, as you know, you were, you were here. And I'm driving down from that area, and I just had to stop my car because I was so overwhelmed. Anyway. I'm sticking to the script right now. So, 
Uh, but you're begging for me not to in a, in, here in a moment, so be prepared. Okay. Uh, describe uh, one of the most, I guess, interesting and uh, transformative experiences yeah. for you and your family. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, if you have three kids, there's lots of interesting things that take place, and my family is no different than yours. But uh, one of the really um, remarkable experiences that has shaped our family and will influence my ministry with you, uh, I mean, it will come through my ministry with you, is that... Uh, um, I took a sabbatical leave a number of years ago, and my whole family moved to Africa. And we lived in Nairobi, and I was a, a visiting faculty at a Christian university in, in Nairobi called Daystar. And um, during that time, we put our kids in schools, and my wife volunteered at an HIV-AIDS clinic. And we were there for four months, and it was one of the most remarkable experiences that could ever have happened to us because it, it broadened our perspective of what God is up to in the world. Whereas sometimes I get really sort of narrow and focused on my own personal problems, my own little deals that I got to kind of figure out, you know, whether it's a cold shower or whether a phone call comes at the right moment or not. I realized, and I think my kids realized as well, that this world that God loves is huge and that there's, there's a variety of people that are part of it. In fact, here's another way that we have shown our good uh, parenting. Our daughter enjoyed her school so much. She came to us and she said, I'd like to stay the rest of the year after you leave in, in December. Okay, we didn't know anybody when we got there, but we, we offered to God this opportunity and we said, God, we need, you know, a number of things to work out, and we left our daughter in her junior year of high school. Are you seeing a pattern here? Oh, God. Uh, in, in, her, in, in Nairobi, Kenya, and the rest of us came home. And again, that was a life-transforming experience for her and us for different reasons, and I, um, I can't thank God enough for that, that uh, opportunity. So I mentioned earlier, life is, I mean, we all know life is hard. Some days, some weeks harder than others. How have you experienced God in those really hard places in life? Yeah. Um, I don't like the hard places. Um, I I wish I yearned for a life that was easy. You know, as Irma Bombeck, if any of you remember her, used to say, you know, a bowl of cherries, right? Uh, That's the kind of life I... I try to set myself up for you know I I don't like pain I don't like uh, I don't like some uh, some new energy brought to it and then I came out here to serve my home church in Bellevue Washington and during that time it it was it became a very hard ministry for me for a variety of reasons um, both related to the church but also related to me and related to some of the things that were going on and how they functioned. And long story short, as a result of that, I got really banged up um, in the ministry. And um, so banged up, in fact, that I uh, experienced post-traumatic stress, uh, depression, which you may know somebody who's had that. And as a result of that, I had to leave the ministry. In fact, I left, I left the ministry kind of bitter, saying, you know, God, what are you, what are you doing? I've spent 20 years of my life committed to this this organism called the church, and just like that, it's over. And so I spent uh, almost a year running away from my calling. I was lost. 
if you will. And uh, I, uh, as part of my therapy of getting well, somebody said, hey, go hike. Hiking is a really restorative thing. So I hiked up uh, a, a local mountain near where I lived in Issaquah, Washington, called Tiger Mountain, um, 58 times in the course of one year. And uh, I know that trail pretty well. The last thing I did before I got on a plane, the day before, guess what I did? I hiked up Tiger Mountain. At any rate, I'm running from God. I'm saying to myself, I'm done with ministry. Uh, God, I'm gonna, I'll do anything else. This was in uh, 2008. So I began to apply for jobs. I thought to myself, you know, multiple degrees, they're all theological degrees, uh, you know, fairly articulate, able to stand up in front of a group of people and make them laugh. You know, who, who doesn't want to pay a lot of money for somebody like that? Well, I applied for 170 jobs. And I had three interviews, two second interviews, and no offers. And then finally, my son, my youngest son, who you saw here, said, Dad, I need to get a shirt for uh, a dress shirt for the prom. Will you take me to the prom? And I said, will you take me to get a shirt? Not to the prom. I, w- I was, I was going to follow up on that one, but anyway. And I said, sure, where do you go when you need to get a quick shirt? You go to Sears, right? So we, we, I took him into Sears, got him a white shirt and a tie. And as I'm walking out of Sears, now I've been looking for jobs. I was done with the church. And there on the, uh, there was a placard that said, we're hiring. So I went home, I got on the internet, I filled out an application, and I submitted it to Sears. And 15 minutes later, I got a phone call saying, we would like to interview you on Monday, can you come in? And this was for, uh, uh, you know, Christmas time kind of work when they, and I said, yeah, sure, love to, I'll come in. So during the, the holidays of 2009, 2010, I worked in the men's store at Sears, running from my calling. Well, on one of those times when I was walking up, up and down Tiger Mountain, I got a phone call from the superintendent, kind of the Curtis Ivanoff of the North Pacific Conference, and he said, hey, I got a church that needs a transitional pastor. Would you be willing to be that? And I said to him, uh, no, thanks. I'm not going to be in the church anymore. And he goes, well, why don't you give us some thought? I'll, let me just tell you a little bit about the church. You know, Mark, we've had this conversation before, twice, if I, if I remember. I don't want to, I'm done. He goes, well, let me just tell you. Uh, okay, okay, Mark, that's fine. And so I stopped on the trail, you know, I'm kind of huffing and puffing, saying, okay, what, where, what do you want? He goes, it's Pine Lake Covenant Church. And I thought for a second, I go, well, Mark, that's the church that my family and I are attending right now. He goes, yeah, I know. And I said, and, and something happened in that moment. And, I, and I, I said, Mark, let me call you back. And then after a long series of more events that's way too long for this little chat, um, I ended up saying, yeah, I'll go back, but I don't really want to. And I did. And that was uh, almost two years ago now. And um, my life is... Has never been different. Has never been the the same again. Um, and so I, I I interimed at this church. I transitioned this church to their next really good uh, lead pastor. 
and here I am doing it again. I'm, I'm back to the place where God has is, is said, Brad, when you're ready to do this on a long-term basis, I'm ready for you to do it. So while I'm here, I'll probably be um, disappearing once in a while because I'll be interviewing for church jobs. But in the meantime, that, that's a story of, of, of profound challenge in my life, in my family's life, that thankfully there's a, uh, there's a happy ending because I wouldn't be sitting here right now if there wasn't. And I, I thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. I, I just want to affirm, too, that uh, as Pastor Mark has gotten a chance to get to know Brad uh, over this past little bit, as well as getting to know Pine Lake, Mark is, can just, just say very clearly that you know, uh, Brad's time there at Pine Lake was, was uh, not only healing for Brad, but was extremely healing for Pine Lake. And, um, and so I do expect Mark will have that lunch with you to say, Brad, thank you for what you did in preparing them for, for him coming. So, um, hey, uh, as you think about being uh, in this transitional role here, what are some of the, the characteristics that will mark your ministry here? Well, you know, earlier we, we read this scripture from the Gospel of Luke. Luke 15, it's a very familiar story for most of us, I would imagine. story about a father who had two sons. One son was kind of uh, gutted out, I'll do what I have to do and not make too much of a wave about it. The other son was a little more like me, said, Dad, I'm, I'm tired of this. Give me the, give me the money and I'm going to go find my own way in life. And so, so uh, that young son, as you know, went away and got lost, really. Got lost in the midst of all the fun and frivolity and all of the activity that he thought was, his life was more suited for than as uh, one of the members of this father's family. And when he spent it all and he'd done all the things that he could possibly do, he, he woke up one day and he found himself... Uh, feeding pigs, and he said, wait a second, even the people who are hired hands in my father's house, they eat better, sleep better, have a better life than I do. What in the world am I doing? At, at which point he decided to go home. And there's a certain humility in that, isn't there? He goes home, he faces his dad, and his dad makes this incredible statement that blows my mind every time I read it. And the statement is this. He says, um, what was lost is now alive again, or what was found, what was dead is now alive again. And so they began to celebrate. The mark of my ministry is really reflected in the story that I've just told you. I have been a person who has been lost and found on numerous occasions. And you know, God willing, I, I won't get lost anytime soon, especially up here in the woods. But nevertheless, my story is a story of being lost and found. And it's not just about pushing the limits of what, of what is right or proper or what, what, uh, how far can I flee from God or God's calling. And I've done that. It's also about being kind of a, a, an older brother who, who does all the right things and then just whines and moans and groans about it. And I want the mark of my ministry here to be a, a ministry of lost and found. Because I'm pretty sure, in the course of my life at least, that most of us find ourselves lost and found all the time. And I want those of you who feel lost 
to be able to experience the warm embrace of a father. And for those of you who think you're found and you're not, I want you to know that same loving embrace as God perhaps corrects the path on which you travel. And most of all, when it's all said and done, whether I'm here a year or a year and a half, I want for our life together to be a celebration because all of us are being pursued relentlessly by a God who wants to find us. That's what you can expect. Thanks, Brad, for just sharing some of your life. And we look forward to continuing to just get to know you and Roxy. And uh, join me as I, as I pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, Brad. Uh, thank you for the gift uh, of Brad, Lord. And I pray uh, that his story will continue to, um, to penetrate uh, our hearts as we continue to get to know him and, and hear his story. Thank you for the story you're writing in his life of grace, of lostness and foundness. Now, Father, I pray for, you know, for all of us, Lord, as we... As we all have experienced um, a sense of lostness, the reality of being lost, um, more than once, Lord, I pray that uh, even in this moment, if there's some here right now that just need to experience the embrace of a father, uh, the embrace that, uh, that you give out of your compassion, your love, your mercy, Lord, I pray that that would happen today, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.